0: Living Wisely, Living Well, August 7th. Affirm always, as my guru taught, what comes of itself, let it come. After every disaster, no matter how great, life goes on. If not in this world, then in some other. An attitude of relaxed acceptance toward whatever happens to you will bring you great inner peace and happiness." That is really a very powerful phrase. What comes of itself, let it come. When, when we are honest and actually analyze our lives, it is, well, embarrassing is the first word that comes to me. Appalling is another word that comes to me. Stunning is yet another word that comes to me. How much of the time and how much of our energy goes simply toward resisting whatever is going on just in one way or another, we wished we had didn't have to do it. Just before this recording started, I have certain a certain sewing project. This is the middle of the COVID pandemic 2020. That's when this is being recorded. And for months now, well, I guess as long as it's been going on, my little sort of side hobby has been to just sew these cotton face masks. And they just they've been passed out to the community, to the neighborhood now. I have a contact at one of the food banks locally and apparently these people have only been given these sort of paper masks which are not nearly as comfortable so now I've just started sewing for them now it's it's completely effortless i can listen to other things and just do it but then i got a project now another project that's more urgent that's going to have to take my time and i actually spent time thinking oh i wish i didn't have to do it <laughs> i think god is teasing me what comes of itself let it come now why knowing that I'm going to do it, knowing that I volunteered to do it, knowing that it's not even going to be very hard to do, why did I spend any energy wishing that I didn't have to do it? And like, what is that going to bring me? What is that going to do for me? Classically, I, I, I had this incident, this was a couple of years ago, but for some reason I have a profound aversion to housework. I think I, was, um, I think I immigrated to countries multiple times where I didn't speak the language, and no matter what my skill said, I had to spend a lot of time cleaning houses until I could learn language and gain what I could do. I'm just making that up. But somehow it's a memory. The first time I flew to India by myself, I flew from America, Asia, Asiana Airlines, I believe it was. And I had a layover in Seoul, Korea. I was completely alone. I was in South Korea, a place I'd never been before. Language, you, I, you know, you can't even intuit because the script isn't the same. And I had this, it wasn't, it was partly just anxiety, but mostly it was just what if. What if something happens and I can never get out of South Korea? And my immediate thought was I would have to clean hotel rooms until I learned Korean, until I got myself organized and could start in in a non-dissenter here in South Korea, but I couldn't do it until I learned language, etc. Whatever the karmic reason, I have an absolute aversion to housework and i I try to master it when I need to, but i'm I don't practice what I preach in in that respect and I was in seclusion writing the book "Light Bearer," which is the fourth and most significant book I've written about my years of life with Swami and uh I was renting this little cabin, and the owners were coming, and I needed to make the cottage acceptable for them under the circumstances there was no way i could there was no one i could I could hire to come in and uh, clean for me, which is, I usually work extra hours of whatever I do in order to pay someone to clean just because I'd rather trade. But I had to do it myself. It, and I spent, like, the last two weeks thinking about the fact that I had to clean the whole bathroom, which I particularly don't like to do. I spent much more time than I'm proud of of saying anticipating the horror of having to clean the bathroom so when, when the day came, it could not be postponed. I walked into this tiny little one-person bathroom in this very new place. So everything was just as simple as it could be. I cleaned it thoroughly. It took me eight minutes. <laughs> and I was appalled, stunned, shocked, and embarrassed. All those things. It's like, how much energy did I spend? Now, of course anticipating losing your job, or having your home foreclosed upon you, or having war break out in your neighborhood, or having somebody you love really die, those are terrifying. They have nothing to do with aversion to housework. I mean, so I can give you a small example, but it it doesn't compare, and I know it doesn't compare. But the fact of the matter is something else always follows whatever is going on. Nothing lasts. And, in the most extreme cases, we exit from this planet. If the disaster takes the form of my body is no longer habitable and I have to move on to the astral world, then we are just in the astral world. Our consciousness doesn't change. I remember Swamiji saying to me, it was very interesting, he, was almost, he wasn't pleading, but he—he he was saying it so earnestly because he wanted us to understand, nothing happens when you die. Nothing happens when you die. Now, something happens in the sense that we're inhabiting this plane of consciousness, and then suddenly we're not on this plane of consciousness. But what happens when that transition is made is we realize that we were just visiting here anyway, and now our little sojourn is over. Our tourist visa, so to speak, has expired, and now we've been kicked out of that particular country. But that which I call myself is just still there, just as, just as what happens when we take a big journey across the world. That's why I believe it was Thoreau who said, uh, travel is a fool's paradise, I think was the phrase he used. Because we think, if I just take this body to some other location, so that somehow in a new location, I'll be somebody else. But as Swamiji himself wrote, the same headache, the same stomach ache, the same anxieties, they're just with you in the new country. You're just doing it in a different language with different scenery. And that's exactly what happens when we exit this body and goes that the new scenery is another plane of consciousness. But, but we just continue. We just keep going. We were doing one thing, then another thing, then another thing. And some things are easier and more pleasant. And some of them are extremely challenging and, and, and push us to the limit of our equanimity and our courage so we also have to ask ourselves what is the what is the purpose what is the purpose of existence, and that's a question that just has to be asked repeatedly. What is the purpose of my existence? Am I here just to breathe and to sort of get through as quickly and as effortlessly as possible? That's what some people think. That life is just there to be enjoyed, as they put it, but not enjoyed in an elevated, disciplined. Trans, uh, gradual expansion of consciousness way, but to just be enjoyed by putting out as little effort as possible, taking as much as I can, indulging myself as much as I can, growing as little as possible, and then dying, as if that's actually going to fulfill this deep longing of the heart. But we reach the point where we want to live wisely and we want to live well. We don't want to just live and then we start seeing our lives in completely different terms. You know, what am I supposed to learn from this? What is the benefit of this? How can this experience help me to serve others more? What is God trying to teach me? What great gift of expanded consciousness does this, even though terribly painful, experience? What is it trying to teach me? So, so what, what Master puts in that simple aphorism, what comes of itself, let it come, Means simply don't resist it. Just if it's given to you, we have to train ourselves as quickly as possible to just, well, Swami put it in a slightly different but the same way, to say yes to life, just to say yes. If this has come to me, therefore I know it's exactly what I need in order for me to expand my consciousness and move toward the true goal of life, which is ever greater awareness. So you see, it's all of a piece. You can also just practically say, if I can't avoid it, why should I resist it? Because resistance takes so much energy, you have that much left, uh, you have that, that much less left to use in some productive response. So even without the idea of God, it's just an extremely impractical way to live. If you're going to have to deal with it, you just might as well deal with it. I My actual first, what I would call superconscious experience was about as ridiculous it could as it could be, but it was profound wisdom that more than fifty years later still stays with me. I was just beginning to learn about the spiritual path. I was reading my very first books. Um I was nineteen years old, just before my twentieth birthday, and I was just thinking about all of it. The path of self-realization, life having a goal, there being a method to achieve that goal. And my, my temperament is quick, and I, I, I do things, I focus, I do them, I get them done. I, I'm always having to discipline myself to do just one thing at a time. I'll start something else while I'm doing this. I'll be thinking about that while I'm doing this. Swamiji often criticized me for that. He said, the secret of success is 100% concentration. He abhorred the very concept of multitasking. He thought it was a disaster for any kind of quality work. You concentrate completely on what you're doing, you do one thing at a time, you finish it. It's what Master said also. You don't just spread your consciousness all over. I had a Gemini's habit and an impatience person's habit of spreading my consciousness in all directions. Whatever I was doing, I was thinking about what was coming next. And I literally remember standing at the kitchen sink, washing the dishes, thinking about spiritual things in a general way when an inner voice spoke to me in the accent of a New Yorker. And it was, it was a higher, from a higher dimension. I will not call it the voice of God, but it had the effect on me as if it were the voice of God. And the voice said, what's your hurry, honey? It's just one damn thing after another. Here I am, my first superconscious experience. And God says, it's just one damn thing after another but it is. So it's like, it's not like we're going to finish. And even death itself is not going to finish. We're going to just take our same consciousness and, you know, we'll change the scene. We'll be in the astral world. There are dimensions that are different, but it's just going to be one thing after another until we reach the absolute silence and stillness of God-realization. It will be one thing after another. So how does it serve us to always be resisting what's in front of us. Because also what happens, you see, is we get in the habit of not not being present with what's going on now. Because even if we anticipate I will be fully present in the future when such and so happens, the habit is to look beyond the moment. So and when the future comes, it's now. So if we don't practice now now, then we won't be in the now then either. (laughs) because it'll be now, now. You can follow all that, obviously. So what is my hurry? What do I think will happen? Because what I need to complete is the inner aberration in me that is always wanting things to be different than they are. I mean, it's a subconscious thing, and it's not, you know, I'm not crabby, I'm not resistant, ultimately. But even a little bit of that think how much energy it drains. It's just like filling the, the pail with bucket and hammering holes in it and wondering why the bucket of bliss doesn't fill. It's because it keeps leaking out. What comes of itself, let it come. Even if it's very difficult, even if it's very challenging, after it's over, it's just going to be something else anyway. I've often said to people, just sort of given them advice, which sometimes it takes them a minute to, to, to focus in on what I've said, I said, well, I I wouldn't be too concerned because something always happens. And they'll learn that to think something good happens, something better happens, something bad happens. No, actually. (laughs) But something always happens. Even if you don't know what you're going to do, even if you see no solution, even if you dread the consequence, something will happen. And then when it happens, it'll be now. And if we're just in the habit, if we've trained ourselves mentally to just accept with with calm acceptance and joy, what comes of itself, let it come. Resistance is you have the rubber band. If you stretch it this way and refuse to move with it, then the tension gets more and more until it may snap and come back at you or do all kinds of things. If it pulls you and you just go with it, where is the stress? The stress is always in the resistance. Now, effort to create a dynamic alternate pathway for yourself is not the same as resistance. That is, accepting circumstances as they are, applying dynamic willpower to improve them. But you still, whatever comes of itself, let it come. So, affirm always, as my guru taught, what comes of itself, let it come. After every disaster, no matter how great, life goes on. If not in this world, then in some other. An attitude of relaxed acceptance toward whatever happens to you, will bring you great inner peace and happiness. Joy to you, my friends. Our work is made possible by inspired listeners, so if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation, or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.